Welcome to the Daniel Werman Show. It is yours truly coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call. Welcome to the show. It is Friday, April 26th. If you've got plans for the weekend, hope they go well. Hope the weather works out for you. Speaking of the weekend, starting today, this afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern, we'll see if Liverpool has a hangover from the Manchester Derby or if they handle their business with Huddersfield at home at Enfield at 3 p.m. Eastern. Also, saw news where Madrid has rejected 180 million euro bids for Asensio. Now, now put this in perspective 180 million euro bids. That's that's nearly what MLS is asking for an entire franchise going forward. Put that in perspective. We're nowhere close to the global standard nor the global soccer ecosystem. We don't take the game serious in America yet. And um, it's a shame. Also, the U.S. men's national team is uh, going to be playing in the in the Gold Cup tune-up versus Jamaica at DC United's Audi Field. More of the same small crowds. Let's go to an MLS venue and continue the payoff back and forth between Major League Soccer, Soccer United Marketing, and the U.S. Soccer Federation. It just doesn't seem like anything is really changing or getting any better. We keep doing the same things, expecting different results. And uh, I, I think the the signs are obvious that it's not getting any better. So that is definitely something that uh, to, to keep an eye on. And if you've been under a rock uh, the last 24 hours or so, then um, you know maybe you haven't heard, but... The world's biggest sports draft began last night. That's the NFL draft. And it's uh, this year going on live in Nashville, Tennessee. And I uh, watched a little bit of it last night just to kind of see what was going on and, and kind of check out the scene. And, and you know, the, one of the things I noticed um, in, in this spectacle, and that's really what it is, it's a, it's a spectacle, um, it, is the, the sad state of affairs for players. And the reason why I say that is 
a lot of people don't realize that the NFL of the of the top four leagues, that means NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL, MLS is a is a distant, distant uh, fifth uh, out of that group. So those top four, football, American football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, the NFL is by far and away the wealthiest league in America. It's not even close. However, it pays on average the least amount to its players, of which 70% or more are minorities. And, and you look at the spectacle that is the NFL and the NFL draft, and, you, and, and you, then you look behind the numbers and you realize that there is a system in place with a draft that limits player movement, player freedom, as well as their ability to earn. That it takes away, it robs their bargaining power. So if you're the best player in the country, you don't have 32 teams bidding against you. You have one team that has the right to pick you, and you get a predefined slot and and an, and an overall kind of cap on uh, your contract, etc. So when we look at that system in place and, and these players who have worked their entire lives to get to this place, to get an opportunity to get drafted – to play in the National Football League and then to see what happens with so many of their careers and the injuries and the 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 brevity of their careers and 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 then to see how they're treated in terms of their their market power, their bargaining power um it's really unfortunate and um you know the the system in place globally with football the global game soccer as we call it in america um, allows for a player to maximize their value it allows for them to have the freedom to move uh, with that uh, around the the world into different clubs in different leagues and in in and in doing so can can get a better and more accurate picture of their market value and it gives them more bargaining power that's why uh, Asensio who who I really really like as a player uh, is getting offers Madrid Real Madrid is getting offers uh, for him in the neighborhood of 180 million euros and yet in America when we when we look at what Major League Soccer has tried to do from the outset it is it is it is tried to copy the NFL in almost every way. They they have drafts, they have territories, they have franchises, they bring in NFL people left and right, including their commissioner Don Garber. Recently, the other day, with all the legal troubles, they they're bringing in someone else from the NFL legal department into Major League Soccer. I mean, we might as well just call it NFL MLS instead of just Major League Soccer because it's really obvious that that. Over their entire history, Major League Soccer has, has done nothing but wrap its arms around the NFL in terms of its personnel, its its ideology, its philosophy, and and its systems, and and try to Americanize soccer in a way that uh, 
basically limits the game in America. It, it has put a glass ceiling on the entire American soccer ecosystem. Um, our first division stadiums are, are tiny in comparison to the global standard. Our teams are operating on minuscule budgets. Players have very little freedom to move. They have very little ability to leverage and get market value for their services. And, and so we see this NFL model that is that has basically been from the outset the MLS model and continues to be today uh, in place and um, you know and then you and then you see a club like Real Madrid reje- rejecting bids in the neighborhood of 180 million euros and yet MLS is over here saying hey you can get a whole franchise for that price um, look it, it sounds to me as if uh, U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer have no interest in global excellence, global standards, and becoming the greatest soccer country on earth. Because there's no way we're going to do it, doing, uh, getting there and doing things the way we're doing them now. That's obvious. It's clear for anybody who wants to be objective to look at what we're doing, the players we're producing, the teams that we're producing domestically here in the U.S., there is there's no doubt and no one can deny this they can try to obfuscate and 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 lie or stretch the truth or whatever it's just clear that we are not anywhere near nor are we trying really to get anywhere near a global standard so it's unfortunate but it is what it is um earlier this week we were um talking with a variety of people about these issues uh, in all kind of facets of the game and um, and and looking at kind of where where they see us in the global picture in the global game and 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 and, and their experiences personally domestically and then also uh, some of their their viewpoints uh, from abroad and then Today, we are going to, in just a few minutes, going to have on a couple guys that have just founded the Mountain Premier League, and they are taking uh, action. They are going to try to help uh, raise the standard domestically by doing what they can do on a local level. So look forward to having uh, Don Harmon and Chad Heath joining us here in just a few minutes um, and, and really excited to, to, to get into this conversation in just a few minutes. Um, the, the sponsor for today's show is Charity Water. If you don't know about Charity Water because you've been watching the show and turning it off at commercials, shame on you. Um, but if you, if you don't know, seriously, check them out at charitywater.org. They are delivering clean drinking water to people all over the world who need it and need it desperately. It is changing their lives. Um, you can learn more again at charitywater.org. We'll be back.
I am to be your pilot. <laughs> I want to be Welcome back to the show. I am really excited and um, really pleased to have joining us on the show Don Harmon and Chad Heath of the Mountain Premier League. How are you doing this morning, guys? Doing well. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Doing very well. Thanks for having us. So tell us a little bit, uh, you know, how did you guys kind of get your starts um in in soccer in colorado connect together tell us a little bit of of your your story all right sure yeah um i uh actually met uh chad's son tristan um uh before i was able to meet chad but uh, my soccer path kind of led me through youth soccer um attempted uh, a playing career and um kind of uh, didn't really find my way into college ball in that system, had a cruciate ligament tear and gave up on my career, but I ended up getting into the management side and, and networking and working with players and uh, was scouting the first ever switchbacks tryout um, and uh, scouted Chad's son and um, approached him uh, to try to help him and uh, ended up meeting Chad in the process and um then we kind of worked on uh we actually got uh tristan to go over to play uh in at the time league one uh south end united in england for about a little bit less than a month on a trial and um yeah we worked on that together and then we worked on uh um we we actually ended up sending them out to play mpsl ball in california um because there was nothing like it here uh it was really resume material that we could add to his resume. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of the long of the short of it, I guess. But, um, yeah, Chad, you got anything to add to that? That's how the journey began uh, in regards to Don and I. Uh, it's, and that's uh, just continued since and kind of uh, been the driver for what uh, we've been working on. And uh, then eventually how we um, or how we met uh, you, Daniel. So, you guys are in Colorado, and you're you've are you identified in the past. You had some you know a, gaps kind of in the system and in terms of opportunities, playing opportunities. Um, and ch sent Chad your your son uh, to a few different places. Uh, I can identify with that as well with my my own son. Um, tell us a, a a little bit, both of you, kind of your your 
aspirations or excuse me your inspirations for creating the mountain premier league what what why create this this new league and and what is it really all about don you want to go ahead on that first yeah sure uh, so you know um kind of what we what we realized as kind of like uh club owners or club club managers we 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 found ourselves um kind of in a similar situation um you know as many of the previous guests have kind of uh been touching on all week and last week too um where we we have a bunch of problems that exist within our system here and and landscape where well we identify them as problems you know hence the example sending tristan out to california to get resume and uh we we kind of decided it was time um to uh create our own league and 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 we'd need to do it ourselves and 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 make sure it was compliant with um you know sort of this concept of what what an open system would look like so uh yeah we we all kind of found ourselves in a similar situation um and we were like-minded and we all kind of discussed things and uh that's when the mountain premier league idea was kind of born yeah, I think I think we identified a, you know, we we've tried different um, uh, avenues and relationships, uh, being part of different leagues that exist in Colorado, and you know, there's there's there there are good leagues here, uh, absolutely nothing wrong with them, but we we realized somewhere along the the journey that uh, we had a little different vision for what we would like soccer to be in be in America, be in Colorado and the hopes for it to grow uh, in the country and as well as locally or regionally. And, th and I think that's what's driven us uh, to where we are with, uh, or taken us to where we are with um, Mountain Premier League. So a couple of those things would be, uh, we would we'd like to see and have, have uh, created a league in the Mountain Premier League where we have uh, team ownership. So we have team buy-in. Uh, our our teams, our league, <clears throat> excuse me, is ran by uh, our teams. Now that's a it's a work in progress. We're not saying that we've uh, got everything down to a T. Uh, that we've uh, locked down uh, all the secrets there, but uh, that is where we are, and that is what we're working on in the Mountain Premier League. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, working with the teams in that respect and to see the response uh, with the idea of the group that started with us, a great group of guys uh, who we have worked in the past with in other leagues. So um, I want to jump in real quick on that point about club owners and, and club ownership of the league. Uh, uh -huh. it, it's a real important point. I don't want to gloss over before we get into some of these other aspects. When you're looking at an open system, and it's important for these American leagues who, who are in operation currently and have been for years, they've been operating under the current ecosystem, that, which is a, a system of closed and disconnected leagues. So you run your thing, you do your thing, but you're pretty much left uh, to yourself. Uh, it's your kind of fiefdom. It's your uh, setup and, and, you know, other than some sanctioning issues, uh, generally you can kind of run your business how you see fit and are left alone and you're not connected to anyone else. Therefore, in that scenario, 
you have leagues like Major League Soccer that uh, operates under a single entity structure, which is not owned by clubs. It's owned by owner operators who then basically get granted franchises. When you look at the USL, you have uh, clubs, but those clubs are awarded franchises in the USL and the league itself is owned by uh, a, a couple uh, of individuals, not by the clubs themselves. And then you you then look into other leagues like the NPSL, which is a non-profit league, not-for-profit setup, and the clubs are members of the league. But because it's a nonprofit, when it, when you get into an open system of connected league scenario, it, it becomes problematic. When you get when you look at the UPSL, you have a very similar setup to the USL in that it is owned by a, a few individuals rather than the clubs. So what you guys have set out to do is to structure your league to be uh, compliant and able to work in an open system where each club has an equal share in the league. And the reason why that's important just for the audience uh, is that whenever a, a league is owned equally amongst its clubs with equal shares, it is then positioned to be connected both on a horizontal level, meaning the same level of a, of a pyramid, say division five or whatever, but it's also then positioned perfectly to exchange shares with uh, with a, with another club in another league, so that when promotion and relegation kicks in, it's an easy process. And this is the process we see around the world with these clubs in these different leagues. They have a share in the league. If they get relegated, then there's already a preset uh, operation. It's there's there's no drama. It's it's just coming in and you're signing paper and you're going down and the other club is coming up and you're exchanging your shares in the in the two leagues so i think that's an important point i just didn't want to gloss over that uh because most of our leagues even the npsl which prides itself on being a member-based league in each club having you know membership in the league because of its nonprofit status and the way that it's set up it in an open system would still have difficulties because of, of the exchange of shares between leagues. So that nonprofit status would actually create a problem for the league structure if it was connected in an open pyramid. So um, what else inspired you guys in terms of creating the Mountain Premier League? You know, what other things were you looking at that, that you said, hey, let's let's do some things differently, some things that we think should be done, maybe done around the world that are not being done here in America. And, uh, oh, go ahead, Don. No, go ahead, Chad. Yeah, you start. I um, I would think you touched on some of it when you when you um, uh, expanded upon the um, uh, the club or the league structure in reference to club ownership. And I think we have, uh, we've always, uh, in our discussions, always been part, uh, or part of those discussions have always been uh, relegation and promotion or promotion and relegation. Um, so 
again, the non-premier league, uh, the thought process there is to move us into, um, a like-mindedness or an operation that it exists uh, internationally or around the world now. I, I think that's the, well the main driving force as far as we go with the league. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, Daniel gave uh, the great the details behind the great idea that that we both shared and and the other teams in our league shared with us. Um, uh, outside of that, I mean. We picked up a lot of different pieces. Um, Daniel already touched on the structure of legal filings. You know, um, we 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 like the idea of uh, a year-round season. Um, so in, you, you see a lot of leagues that break everything up to, you know, three-month or less commitments at a time. Um, we want to work with ownership groups who um, are committed to building something that takes time investment. Um, instead of a lot of, you know, monetary investment. So what we're looking at is, you know, more of a nine-month league um, with the same similar breaks. A, a, a winter break here in Colorado would probably last um, a lot of November into um, the start of March. And then, um, so it's a little bit lengthy, but uh, then you'd have a very shortened uh, summer off-season, um, maybe, maybe the month of July. Um, we would be ending in July and then having a week or two off and then restarting. Um, something like that is how it's looked. Um, and that's kind of predetermined based on, you know, playable seasons and weather and um, how many weeks we can fit in given the travel, right? So um, if we can play for 10 weeks because, you know, we, we don't want teams doing overnights on the weekends or something and, and our, our max travel is five hours, um, that's kind of the stuff logistically that's been shaping us out the gate um, and until, you know, budgets are increased and, and things are, or, you know, teams move up, right? So if, if, if we're looking at a, a proposed open pyramid where we're fitting into a like 32 region tier five or a 16 region tier four, um, as long as we're maintaining the same standards as the other leagues um, in that sort of pyramid, um, that's kind of how we figured those, those logistics out, um, ideally. So we would be playing, you know, uh, a 20 game or, uh, or more maybe, um, but <clears throat> a 20 game regular season where, where we, we, we kind of eliminate the playoff structure and we're just going to go with a flat table, right? Um, top of the table takes all, um, right. And, uh, traditional, um, league. Uh, that that we're we're accustomed to, we that we'd like um, to see and we, we couldn't find. Um, and uh, there's a, there, you know the other things the league really supports. Um, I, I could go on here a little bit more into detail, but uh, those are some of the the big the big uh, a little bit more polarizing things that we find unique, right? Um, and uh, I, I hope they don't don't they don't continue to be unique. I hope it it becomes something that's accepted. Um, more commonly and, and and there's more more leagues like us well i think it's important i i talked to uh dan uh hudeman of the uh, minneapolis city sc earlier this week and we were talking about um some of the weather in minnesota and, and obviously in colorado you're dealing with some of those similar issues and uh you know when you're looking at the weather and shaping your schedule 
the ability to to have some flexibility, especially when you are, you know, in a uh, level of 16 or a level of 32 leagues in an open system is critical so that you can uh, create a schedule that works for that context. So um, I think you guys figuring out ways to work around climate, work around weather, and create the best schedule possible with an extended season is is important, but it's also an example for other clubs around the country. One of the things that I think that you guys are doing right is finding ways to increase the volume of matches because that means more home matches in the end which at a lower level more than tv revenue even more than commercial dollars sometimes is is tickets and gates and if you can create a a league where you've got a higher number of uh, matches you know home matches rather than playing for two or three months and you get you know five home games if you could double that or triple that then it also allows you to do a lot more with your commercial uh, deals. It allows you to do more even as you look at, okay, how can we bring in some some revenue even from streaming, et cetera, as you build out the product because there there's just there's more uh, volume to to be able to access. And um, in in the end, from a player development side, it's important because now you're giving these players more opportunities to play. And in the end, it, it is building an area of the pyramid in the country that needs to be built. Uh, far too often, I, I've encountered so many excuses as to why extended seasons at this level is impossible. And, and, and yet, I, I've never looked at it that way, and I'm encouraged that you guys aren't looking at it that way, that you're instead trying to find solutions rather than getting caught up in problems. And, uh, and that really, to me, is, is the key point in this whole conversation is American soccer has a lot of issues. I mean, we could go through every single league in this country, and I could tell you, you know, here's, here's some issues with MLS, here's some issues with NASL, here's some issues with USL, UPSL, NPSL, etc., we could go and spend the entire uh, rest of this show talking about problems after problems after problems and negativity, 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 and all of these things. Um, and, and, and instead, what I, I would rather do and, I, and, and what I'm encouraged by what you guys are doing with the Mount Premier League is you are looking at opportunities. You're looking at solutions. So, you know, that is, is so important uh for getting us from where we are to where we want to be um it's it, as you guys are aware in in terms of operating clubs it's not easy there are politics there are fiefdoms within u.s soccer there there are all kinds of issues that that are frustrating that make it difficult to do what you want to do and, and to and to to really build something meaningful and and purposeful and and lasting and that is representing reform and change but in the end it's action and it's taking action that is going to make change not complaining so what what other 
things are you guys dreaming about with the league in terms of building out the Mountain Premier League? What is your aspirations for the league as you kind of take it from where it is here in this initial launch phase of 2019 and kind of build it into the future? That's a big question, Daniel. <laughs> well, we've got some time, so dig in. <laughs> I think ultimately we uh, all of the all of the challenge. You, you stated a lot of the challenges, and I think I think that is the key to keep for, to identify them. You have to identify them, and identifying them, you know, is is not a negative. It's uh, it's just simply where 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 are we at? What you know? What are our challenges ahead? You know, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? <clears throat> and then finding um, a way forward or a uh, a, um, uh, a solution that we're going to try or a a process we're going to try to go forward. Because I think it's important to that to state that right out of the gate that we're going to stumble a lot. We have stumbled. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's how we got there. But um, I think aligning ourselves with um, a, a system that allows us to move forward and connect with uh, the rest of the soccer nation, if you will, is probably got to be our base or our guiding uh, point or our starting point, wouldn't you say, Don? Yeah, I mean, staying compliant with, with uh, whichever open system, you know, sort of arrives first. Um, uh, and working with and and you know as it starts to develop and evolve that's wh where we want to be too and um i believe it's going to happen sooner or later um and uh yeah so that's what that's what we're preparing for um, and i think what i think with that we have you know that some of the challenges early on we're, we're introducing the system uh you mentioned the 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 challenges in running a club and a lot of it is, is the reality is, is we're down here and a lot of, a lot of us are wearing, or if not all of us are wearing a lot of hats, right? So we go to our day job, if you will, uh, that's players, staff, owners. Uh, and then we come out and we, we incorporate, uh, I guess, uh, what you'd call our love or uh, what we enjoy to do our soccer and uh, our club. And we move forward there. So it is a little daunting when you sit down with guys and you say, hey, I want you to be part of this league and I don't uh, just want you to write a check. I, I want, I want to, we want to hear what you have to say. I hear what you have to say. I want you to come and I want you to be on a board and I want you to incorporate it in, in how our league grows. We don't just want to hear you on the phone or texting. We want to hear you at the board meeting. We want to incorporate those changes and we want you to be part of the league. We want you to be part of the ownership. Um, it can, uh, it's, a. it's kind of a, it's kind of a moment when you're sitting in a room with a group of guys who've been part of systems where, uh, they're just, you know, just write us a check. We'll take care of the rest and we don't care to hear what you have to say. Um, I, I think that's been an interesting, uh, interaction or, or part of what we do. And then when you realize through the course of the conversation, sometimes you have to go over that part a couple times because, it's not really registering what you're saying. Right. Um, and then when it hits the smiles, you start to see the nods of the heads and, uh, you know, we've had comments or, you know, you see the body language, but then we've had comments, uh, hang on just a second, you know, my head's spinning. What are we doing here? 
Um, but to but you have to address those challenges. And then w once once the buy-in comes to where, okay, you know, we're going to be part of operating this league, and and we have a voice in in what we're doing here, uh, starts to register and starts to come to fruition. It um, it's really enjoyable to see. It's something to see, and then you realize you have something to grow with there because now you're asking all these guys to have a love for the game and you're incorporating all this talent uh, that you have. And, and, you know, it comes from all different. You have a lot of different gifts or talents um, throughout the league <clears throat> and you can start to draw on those. And as guys adjust to those roles, as they kind of realize, you know, what they're going to be doing on the board or what they have the, the capabilities or the time for. And uh, you all of a sudden you're, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, your interaction begins to change and it begins to grow uh, from these different uh, clubs that are in your league or from the different clubs that own the league. And uh, I think ultimately that's going to be a great strength and one and, and a big part of the vision going forward. We talked about the, the, the league structure and the business part of it, but I think sometimes we forget or not forget, but we, we go past that. We don't realize uh, how much talent we have here in this country that uh, when people become involved in what they're doing, when they become involved in running it, I think it's going to move this process uh, exponentially or it's going to change things much quicker than people think. I, I, and just to echo a little bit of what Chad's saying, you know, once you start to develop these general concepts of what everybody's looking for, whatever, what works for everyone, um, you know, uh, you start off with the right, the right setup. And um, next thing you know, we're talking about substitution rules, facility amenities, you know, prioritizing and advocating for officials, um, you know, with, with, with financially and educationally, you know, and, um, uh, protecting a uh, level playing field by providing, you know, an independent disciplinary committee, um, making sure your league has an active director of officials, um, you know, pr providing, you know, I know some leagues tell you when you're kicking off and they'll, they'll put you on a back to back or they'll make you play three games in a week. You know, that's not necessarily something that's attractive for our athletes who also like Chad touched on have a regular nine to five. So, you know, you're, you're going to want um, you're going to want an equal or a preset predetermined um, window of kickoff times for uh, travel to be allowed and for um, uh, a fair time for, you know, your, your recovery for your athletes. Um, uh, you know, other things that we can kind of do as a league is we can provide game balls for all of our teams. Um, we provide websites, we provide, you know, an equal share of the marketing exposure. We, um, we, we provide interviews um, for all of our teams. So everybody's getting touched on. These are all things that are controllable that it seems like the, the, the whole league, since we're all owners, we can decide upon and, and, and we all vote and say, you know what, this sounds good. We're moving forward with this. We like it. Um, and you, you learn some things you may not like, right? Um, there's going to be the hiring and firing of managers. Like, uh, you know, if, if, for some reason, our director of officials isn't doing the job or isn't advocating for our players or we don't feel protected by him, you know, then we move on. So um, but th this is all part of the process of um, managing a league. And, uh, you know, um, we're, we're even getting into, you know, making sure everybody 
is getting their their video their their films uh other games taped or streamed so that you know we can review tape for officials or we can provide the tape for resumes for our players uh, these things are important this is what's going to build um what we believe is going to build our our grassroots and our our lower sections of the pyramid um uh, and i think it's focused the importance is focused on the things that really matter to the players and then um make our job easier as um the managers owners and uh uh league managers so well having kind of, having a a vested interest in a shared partnership as club owners having equal shares in the league I, I think naturally leads to some of the things you've just highlighted have come as a result of when you have, you know, all of these clubs kind of meeting in a boardroom and saying, okay, what's the league going to look like? Everyone is wanting to make sure that, that each, each other is being, being treated equally, treated fairly, um, equal representation, making sure that, you know, the things that you were highlighting about, uh, kickoff times and and recovery for for players and staff etc all of those things now start to become just a natural byproduct of your structure which is really what we need system wide from top to bottom division 1 as as low as we go these in the same way that the clubs own the the equal shares in a league in the same way that the mount premier league has, has been set up is the leagues should have that equal share in the the level of the pyramid in which they play and and have these uh, associations horizontally all on level 5 for example operating under the same standards and able to to meet in a room so if you had you know if, if the mount premier league was in a level of 32 other or 31 other leagues you would have you would have 32 uh, league representatives meeting and 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 making sure that there is equal standards being applied across that entire level five of the pyramid and in that way if if the mount premier league was doing a really really good job and it set a, a really nice standard and then there's a league over you know in texas and and it's subpar and yet their teams are are getting promoted up into the pyramid without having to make sure certain things are are in place whether that's infrastructure facilities whatever then that's where you start to get some inequities in the system and so having leagues have equal shares and an equal say in the system is the same type of philosophy it, it invites that conversation in it invites um th those different opinions to the table so that everyone is heard and then then solutions are then resolved rather than leaving that to a handful of individuals who basically say well here's what you're going to do and here's when you're going to do it here's how you're going to do it and yeah i hear what you said but this is what we're going to do and and instead you now have these clubs who who are able to select a representative uh, amongst themselves to represent that league with these other leagues to determine standards across the country and this is how we begin to connect and and in reality take what's happening on a microcosm level there in colorado with the mountain premier league and then begin to see that expand across the country with other regional leagues and and eventually an entire system of connected leagues 
vertically and horizontally. Um, so what what are the costs like for the Mountain Premier League uh, compared you know, to some other leagues? What, what have you guys figured out in terms of club participation costs? Don, you want to break that down? Yeah, so, you know, there's clearly the ownership cost. Um, uh, it, that, that's something that we, we all kind of agreed upon um, initially here. Uh, I, I suppose it's, it's probably something that's going to be very transparent going forward when people come in. Um, and we'll be, you know, offering the same thing to, to all the new owners. And it could, it could adjust, but only if, you know, our association or our open association or um, who knows, federation, whatever, um, eventually that'll all be sort of predetermined, um, I think, based on um, our compliance, right? So, um, but other than that, uh, we, we literally just built the budget and we said, this is, we, we don't, we're not in this to make money. There are no hidden, oh, revenue adjustments here or there where we can really build a, a huge, you know, war chest or something. There's no, you know, entry fees of $10,000 plus or something like that. Right. So we're, we're not talking about those figures. We're talking about like, Oh, this season's going to cost every team a thousand dollars. That'll take care of all of our front office work. That's literally what it's costing us for the spring. Okay. Um, $1,000 per team. That's nothing. Right. Uh, it takes care of website. Like I said, game balls, patches for your uniforms, everything's provided. Okay. Um, and then we, you know, we, like you touched on earlier, there's, um, sanctioning bodies out there there's a lot of them across the u.s there's they're sold in all different types of forms and packages and associations associated with them and um you know different sort of oh you can get into these competitions if you're this association or that right and um it seems like there was a lot out there that had different little build-ins and revenue ways to build more revenue and they're designed um they're designed for use systems right um this is where clubs can pick up um extra money too um selling selling player passes and such so uh, yeah, we, we partnered with uh, U.S. Club Soccer. They've been great. Um, you know, $25 player passes. That gives them a secondary insurance covering the player. You, you know, your player needs to be insured for a year. They get a secondary coverage in all U.S. Club Soccer events, and it's, um, you know, it's uh, it's under FIFA. So, you know, there we go. There's your Open Cup access. There's your um, – it's, it's also under USASA. There's, you know, you get into National Amateur Cup. Um, Fritz Marth Cup qualifying, which is what we're going through right now uh, for Region Four, right? Um, so uh, it's a beautiful thing. That's that. There's your costs, right? Um, after that, um, like I said, we do prioritize referees. So um, home teams are taking care of referees, just like Open Cup. It's the exact same scenario. We want the best referees. We want four officials at every game. Um, we 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 we've gone through all types of negotiations. I think in Open Cup you have to cover travel, you have to cover a couple extra things, right? So you kind of have a a blank check there, depending on where the referee is coming from. Um, we're locked in at a a three hundred dollar cost for the home teams, so that can get expensive. But at the same time, it's prioritized by all of our owners. We all agree we want when we 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 don't have um, an unlimited number of you know uh, level six referees here in the state. So um, we have to prioritize getting them to our games and um, uh, they, they deserve it because uh, they, they, they've earned that grade and they've worked to that point and we want to help them get there. So um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, of course, home venues, um, we have a, a minimum standard of amenities and, and things that we like our teams to be able to be used to when they when they travel and they arrive um, shelter um, uh, in the form of some sort of uh, changing room, locker room, uh, field house. Um, Colorado doesn't 
Colorado doesn't have a lot of showers in their in their locker rooms. Honestly, it's just not something they've built um, in our state, especially in school districts. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of touching on the costs, um, the, the hard costs, and uh, it's a very manageable budget. So, you know, you're getting through a a, a, a year, um, you know, what sub ten thousand maybe. Um, it depends on how much you want to pay your coaches, how much you're, you know, how often you want to buy uniforms. Um, completely doable completely i mean it's just going out and doing business in your community and connecting and um it's something that you can stand behind uh you're not going to have to explain uh one-off scenarios to your sponsor about why things aren't working so um it's it's big time uh budgets that budget is manageable in my opinion um and uh i mean i haven't been doing this forever but it's definitely something that i can i can manage you know i i think just to touch on it on a, our thought process when we started this is we've always talked about um, I use the word survivability but how do we you know where have uh, teams that have tried to grow or or I won't go far on this but have put a platform for players uh, after college after high school how do these teams survive in these areas we've talked about some different leagues uh, that have tried and just not been able to succeed in this part of the country. We talked about geographic and sense of location and weather and season, but we've also got the West out in this part of the country here. We have to deal with uh, our travel issue. We're, We're a lot more spread out for our density of population than say the Eastern seaboard, uh, the great lakes area that compete or LA. So, we have different challenges there in how do we keep our cost at a situation where a club can participate in a league uh, and still do it at a high level. Um, so, but when we come in back to the cost, whenever we, we talk about that, we always begin with transparency. And I think Don touched on that pretty heavily. I just don't think it can be touched on heavily enough. You can, t- I think, that it has to be the beginning of all uh, conversations about an open system. So we had to figure out a value um, as a new league starting out that we thought people could come in and play would be attractive to them and be something that they would be willing to look at. And we and we opened up our league at $500 to buy in. Um, some people would say, well, it's a giveaway. No, that's not really our thought process. Our thought process is we want quality teams. We want teams that have a love for the game that are here to play. And that's our priority. Not, uh, again, building a war chest or trying uh, trying to make a bunch of uh, money individually. Uh, we had to prioritize the league and the growth of an open system. Uh, Don touched upon the cost for our season. It's a thousand uh, per season and this time we'll, that'll still be broken out and a cost reference or a budget reference into two. So ultimately for a year, you would pay uh, 2000 at this time. Don's done a great job working with our local referee association. Give a shout out to them. Um, yeah, play the whistle. And, yeah, play the whistle. Uh, they've really been a great help to us. Uh, refereeing, I, I think is probably no matter where you're playing soccer, uh, is uh, it's a challenge. So they're like our local association, play the whistle, it's been working hard at it for a long time and building those refs, but it's a challenging part of the game, finding the level of refs and so forth. So it's important to have that relationship 
And we feel, uh, to touch on that for a minute, for our players, because you have to create a standard of play, standard of playing conditions or format and a safe place for them to play. Uh, raising that level is the key to really bringing in and players wanting to play uh, in a safe environment where competition can be high. And uh, good refereeing is a big part of the level that your league can play in, in our opinion. But we're able to do that. So we, we do prioritize four refs and that puts us in that $300 market. Um, and then facilities, you know, we, we kind of break um, our standard of play into two discussions. Uh, and I don't know if that's something new, but as we've begun our journey, um, we've said, we've decided that our standard of play on the field, game day, you know, playing under the correct set of rules, being very staunch about that, having good reps has to be a priority. There's no gray area there. I think that's for obvious reasons. And then you have, you have the reality of how do we bring on board the facilities um, as a cost item, right? Because here in Colorado, I don't know about other regions, to be honest with you, facilities are not um, plentiful. I mean, they're just not, you don't walk around the corner and run into a facility. And then, and then having a decent playing surface is, is different than from having the amenities at the facility. So we, we learned early on through our participation in, in other leagues that are um, trying to move into this standard that this is something that we probably have to break out, put a timeline on, and, and begin to work as a league on this issue that seems to be as tough as any. So when you and, – and I would just say this to any league starting out um, like we are, uh, take a hard look at that breakdown. You know, this is part of what you can work on as, a, as a owners of your league is, you know, how do we get to this standard with facilities and bring it on as a group? We set a timeline. We set goals. We identify these and develop relationships with our uh, local private facilities, uh, our local public school systems, you know, things like that, which are realities at our level, our base of the pyramid. And then, you know, like Don was saying, those hard costs are there and then you move into training uh the limited amount of travel that we uh, try and maintain because it's not a reality of cost in the west i mean people say oh we'll just incorporate this or this well for us that's six eight ten hours away that's uh there, it's form it's a formidable situation travel here um but that's that's how i see you know kind of the breakdown and our thought process but it's always about how do we maintain the league how do we make it accessible uh, to teams that have a priority of play and want to play? And then how do we stay open with that cost and never ever uh, create costs or hide costs? So obviously you guys have just spent a few minutes talking about cost and the transparency of costs and, and the, the desire to, to create a league because it, and this is, again goes back to the, the beauty of of the way you're structured because the club the clubs own an equal share in the league there is no incentive to try to make the league 
uh, something that profits off of the clubs because it's just taking from the clubs their own resources. Um, and, and instead, it's it's thinking, how do we reduce costs? How do we make these things manageable? How do we build excellence and quality while minimizing cost as much as possible and, and taking all of those factors into play? It's so important. I was at an AGM re- recently for, for a league, and I listened through the entire AGM, uh, all of these different scenarios, and they were talking through situations and problems and ideas and by the time it got to the end you know i they asked they asked me to kind of speak up on on anything and one of the the comments i made was you know most of the things that you guys just spent all day talking about are a direct result and and byproduct of the fact that you are a league in a closed system of disconnected leagues everything you're worried about everything you're you're trying to sort out and figure out is because of that structure and so by you guys starting to be proactive and build into the way that you operate even now even though you're the system isn't connected the system the system isn't open you're preparing for that it's allowing you guys to place the focus where it needs to be, which is the quality of your clubs, the quality of play, the quality of your referees, minimizing cost, and you're not having to get sidetracked on some of these other issues and, and, and getting away from cost uh, for a second. What uh, what is is there a prize for winning the, the Mount Premier League? Is there some kind of carrot at the at the end of the road that clubs are chasing? Have you, you guys sorted anything out with that? Well, good question. We um we were actually chatting about that again this morning, and and you know, we're we're looking at a scenario, and we still got to bring it to the board meeting. But uh, we're looking at a scenario where maybe, uh, we have a combination of um a sponsor prize money from a outside sponsor source, plus uh, uh potentially waiving um league fees for a year. So um you know two thousand. Va- $2,000 value plus is, is kind of what we're looking like. Um, but we, we still got to vote on it. We got to bring it to, uh, we got to bring it to, uh, the board and, and, and have a discussion about it clearly. And, um, but that's kind of like the idea behind everything. And that's kind of like, a uh, Daniel Workman exclusive right there. We haven't even, uh, we, that, that's kind of the direction we're headed and we haven't even voted on it yet, but that's, that's something that, you know, I, I've heard tossed around, um, different, you know, threads on Twitter and, and different places across the internet and, um, social media, uh, you know, using, using your, your league fees as a reward. Um, and I, I believe that's something that can benefit everyone, um, the league, the budget, the, the team, um, and it, it becomes a better and better incentive, especially if you start to get some of these, um, sponsor partnerships to, uh, also throw in some cash on top of that as a caveat. So that's, that's where we're headed, I think. Chad, did you have anything about that? No, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I love to hear, you know, we have these ideas and I and and I just love to hear that uh, conversation about. And then uh, now that we have these different concepts or different ideas that we're going to go, that we're going to go back to the board. And uh, once the board decides, then then that's what we'll nail down is the prize. And, and it just kind of leads us to say, hey, that's how we adjust. Well, guys, you know. Guys, uh, not to, not to cut you off, Chad, but uh, thanks for coming on the show. I think that is it, the way you guys are going about things, and then going back to the board and, and figuring out ways to work is the way forward, no doubt about it. H- how can uh, teams apply 
and and how are they selected as we kind of wrap up here? Sure, sure, sure. So there's an application process. Um, application can be found on our website. Um, we have a lot of cool things on our website to go check out. Um, Sports Engine is a great place to uh, go for websites for leagues. Um, for anyone out there looking to do the same, but um, yeah, it's uh, um, there's an application, and then there's going to be a vetting process, um, uh, and of course we take it back to the board and we say, hey, here's our best candidates. Um, they're all very motivated. Here's their track record. Um, um, here's what we like about them, and 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 compress, uh, co- contrast and compare everybody that's out there that puts puts in applications, and and we're not limited to uh, you know Colorado, but we are limited to um, um, you know. Uh, travel travel logistics is the biggest key for expansion in our area so um that's how that's the that's at the top of the priority list right there so um uh, we'll figure that out when uh when when it becomes open application season again here this fall and this fall is when we'll start our 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 annual league like uh the the year-round schedule so um we're looking forward to it well guys thanks uh thank thanks for coming on the show that was fantastic uh good luck as you continue to build uh i look forward to trying to, to, to do anything I can to help you uh, as you continue to build a new model and uh, a club-centric model. So thanks for coming on the show. Look forward to having you guys on again very, very soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Daniel. That was Don Harmon and Chad Heath of the Mountain Premier League. Um, they, they are building something new, something different. And uh, I encourage you to check them out, reach out to them, and and learn more about what they're doing. Uh, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for watching this week. Thanks for for tuning in. Um, we were we were really really pleased to to be joined by so many from so many different uh, walks of, of of life and in different backgrounds um, this this week. Um, and uh, Robert Wilson on, on Monday and, and Tuesday, having Kevin Fuller joining us, Dan Hodeman on Wednesday from Minneapolis City SC, and yesterday, Sky Eddie Bruce and all of her in- incredible work with soccer parenting and then just getting her insight on the game. And then obviously today, get, getting to, to, to be joined by Don Harmon and Chad Heath. Thanks, everybody, for joining in, tuning in, watching all of the above. We will see you next week.